Hello there. Welcome to Semester 6, Episode 8 of the IBY's Just Admit It podcast, where former deans and directors of admission give expert insight into the complex college admissions landscape. On this season of Just Admit It, we're breaking down the college admissions rubric, and we're highlighting a few top colleges. I'm Tasha, your host for this season. I'm an admissions counselor at IBYs, and I'm a former international admissions officer at USC, as well as a former assistant director of international admissions at Boston University. My guest is Robin. She's back for another episode. She's an IBYs premier counselor and a former senior assistant director of admissions at Georgetown University. She's also a former admissions counselor at Vanderbilt University. She's worked as a director of college counseling, as an English teacher at several secondary schools. She's really done it all. So thanks so much for being back with us, Robin. Thanks so much for having me, Tasha. So today we'll be continuing to highlight certain aspects of the college admissions rubric. In episode seven, we talked about the importance of letters of recommendation, for example. And so today we're going to be talking about another very important part of that rubric and of the college application process, and that is essays. It's one of the uh, areas that takes a little bit of creativity. Um, and so we want to make sure that students are feeling confident going into that. So we'll be answering this very simple question. How should I tackle college application essay prompts? Okay, so first, let's define what a college essay is. So what makes a college essay different from other essays students might have written in high school, Robin? Yeah, that's a great point to start on, Tasha. Um, the types of writing students most commonly encounter in high school, especially as they advance through grade levels, that tends to be more analytical and expository, meaning that it's it's designed to expose facts uh, in nature. So English classes will typically expose students to different types of writing, uh, such as descriptive writing, persuasive writing, uh, and narrative writing. And generally in grade 11 and grade 12 English and history classes, students um, you know, are expected to do even more in terms of the analytical component of their writing. Um, they have to use a primary text and oftentimes a secondary text to support their thesis and a large part of the content of the essay involves the analysis of quotations incorporating evidence that support the student's thesis statement. So contrary to that is the personal statement or the common application personal statement, um, the personal essay that is a required component for um, pretty much any college that's using the um, common application. And we often refer to the common application personal statement as the CAPS. So you'll hear me say that throughout um, our, our podcast today. So when it comes to writing the personal essay or the CAPS, there's so much freedom with this that sometimes I think that can even be a little overwhelming for students. So with the CAPS, um, students don't have to follow that traditional uh, five paragraph format that they may have been taught in uh, high school. Um, and I know some schools are even moving away from that format. And the way that the writing itself really varies from what they do in high school is that it's it's much more personal and reflective, potentially creative in nature, um, which students don't often get to do in their in their high school classes, um, unless maybe they have the option to take, say, a creative writing class or another type of writing elective, which would allow for more freedom in terms of writing style. Um, I'm a 
a huge proponent of journaling. I know perhaps in some classes, students are encouraged to journal um, or maybe students already do that on their own. And I think that can be a really good way actually for students to establish an entry point into their, their CAPS, their personal statement, um, because much of that essay is meant to encourage students to engage in their own you know, reflective process about um, life experiences that they've had. Uh, and so that really is kind of the, those are the key differences in, in which the, the personal essay, the CAPS differs from the type of writing most students have encountered at this point in their high school career. Thanks so much, Robin. And, I, and I'm glad that uh, you thought it was a good question to start on because I think it is one of the most common questions that I get from students is, you know, what, what is, what is this kind of essay, right? They're, they're confused sometimes by the prompts or by the questions because they can differ just so much by the kind of expo expository and persuasive essays that they're writing um, academically in high school. Okay, so now that we have a little bit of a better understanding of how the college essay might differ, and I know that we've talked about the caps and the supplemental, and we'll go into those differences a little bit later. Now that we've defined it, can we talk about the why? What is the purpose of the college essay? Right, exactly. So as, as you were saying at the beginning of the podcast, there's this whole admissions rubric. Um, and I remember talking about that in a previous podcast, and the essay component is, is one of those elements of, of the rubric. And you know, this is the part of the application where I always like to remind the students that, you know, this is where they really get to be in the driver's seat. Um, they have to decide on a topic and then they have to decide how to approach the topic. This personal essay, the CAPS, this is really the student's opportunity to share something new about themselves with the admissions officer or to maybe elaborate on something that is hinted at or alluded to elsewhere in the application, really expand on that. Um, so this might be a particular story um, that connects to the student's um, background, et cetera. And I know we'll talk a little bit more about specific prompts and whatnot, but I always tell students to approach this as a, a story, a narrative, essentially. Um, effective essays tell a story that sheds light into what makes that student tick, essentially. Uh, it, it shows what they value, um, who they are as a person. So it's an opportunity to be reflective, honest, um, potentially vulnerable. Um, those are way, you know, engaging in that type of um, writing can enable the student to make a connection with the admissions officer um, who's reading that application. And when you can establish that kind of connection, that might make the admissions officer more inclined to put their support behind the student's application in say an admissions committee review or something like that. It's really where, and I know this phrase is potentially overused, I suppose, but it, it really is where the student's voice can, can come through um, beyond just the things that are already listed in their application itself. Um, it's going to be the longer piece of writing within the application. And of course, as you said, there's likely supplemental essays that will go along with it. But this is really the most, you know, personal component of the application, hence the name, the, the personal statement. Let's hop into that main essay type that you already introduced to us. So the common application or the CAPS, as we'll be referring to it. What are the CAPS prompts um, and do they differ year to year? Sure. So 
every year, I'd say it's generally like February or March, the common application um, either update, well, it always provides the, the prompts for the upcoming admission cycle. So if there's been any new prompts added, those are included. Um, for the past couple of years, uh, the prompts have, have stayed the same. So timing wise, that's kind of what seniors, uh, or I'm sorry, not seniors, what juniors have to look at is that in that early spring, that's when they should be able to access the common application prompts. Um, and in terms of the prompts themselves, um, they, they're quite general in nature, which makes sense. Um, essentially, any topic can fit within at least one, if not more of the prompts. In fact, I'd say that it's, mo it's more common where I think students often find overlap in terms of their essay content and it, does it, it fit better for this prompt or the other prompt. So for this upcoming admission cycle and in past ones, there's, there, there are seven prompts. The first one asks students to discuss something about their background, identity, an interest or talent that they have, that is so meaningful to them that they feel their application would be incomplete without it. So that's pretty broad right there. Um, and I know we'll talk a little bit more specifically about that first prompt and how students might generate some ideas about that um, a little later on. The second prompt um, reads as follows, the lessons we take from obstacles we encounter can be fundamental to later success. Uh, recount a time when you faced a challenge, setback or failure, how did it affect you? And what did you learn from that experience? Third prompt, reflect on a time when you questioned or challenged a belief or idea. What prompted your thinking? What was the outcome? Number four, reflect on something that someone has done for you that has made you happy or thankful in a surprising way. How has this gratitude affected or motivated you? Number five, discuss an accomplishment, event, or realization that sparked a period of personal growth and a new understanding of yourself or others. Number six, describe a topic, idea, or concept you find so engaging that it makes you lose all track of time. Why does it captivate you? Who or what do you turn to when you want to learn more? And then lastly, if you feel that none of those prompts fit your topic, there is topic of your choice. So there's sort of a catch-all there. Um, but you can, you know, just in me, you know, reading those prompts, there's there's definitely overlap, especially like, for example, between number one, the background identity, interest, or talent essay um, could certainly overlap with the discuss a topic, idea, or concept you find so engaging that it makes you lose all track of time. Uh, maybe music's a really important part of your life and you gravitate towards prompt number one and start writing about that, but it could also work for prompt number six. So a lot of overlap there. And I think, as I said, general enough in nature so students can and hopefully will have more than one idea that they feel they could use for their personal essay. Yeah, I think it's definitely important to not um, spend too much effort deciding which prompt to actually answer because Robin's absolutely correct. There's so, so, so much overlap. Um, and there's even a prompt that says right about, you know, if what what is it it's not right about whatever you want but it's just uh share an essay on a topic of your choice that's right so, yes yeah. you had you had already said that exactly so it's extremely broad um all right so that's the caps and uh kind of some nuts and bolts around how to maybe approach that but what about the supplemental essays what kinds of supplemental essay prompts should students expect as a part of their application 
Yes. So most universities require some type of supplemental essay, um, at least one. Um, in some cases, it might be um, eight or nine <laughs> short answer supplemental essays. So these are essays that um, can range in length anywhere from 25 words to 50 to 250 to 500. And the purpose of the essay is oftentimes for the college to get a better sense of why the student wants to attend that particular school. So that's probably the most common supplemental essay that a student will encounter is why do you want to attend our school? And then sometimes added on to that prompt is, and why do you want to pursue the major you indicated on your application? So sometimes those two questions are put together in one single prompt. Um, or there might be a separate question that asks the student to describe um, the academic interests they have and how they wish to pursue those at that particular university. Another common prompt uh, often appears in some iteration of describe a community that you're part of and your role in that community. Uh, and so that word community is really key because it's a matter of how does the student define community? What community do they want to write about more uh, in that particular essay? Another common prompt that's been appearing, I'd say more and more over the past few years in some way, shape or form um, is typically something along, along the lines of describe a time you encountered an opinion or an idea um, different from your own. And how did you respond to that? Um, and I can certainly share some examples later on um, as far as um, different schools who ask that type of question, but in a slightly different way. Uh, and then lastly, I'd say another common one that students will encounter is a prompt that asks them to elaborate on an extracurricular activity, um, one that's been particularly meaningful to them and go into why that activity has, has been meaningful to them. Um, now, sometimes students, as they are going through their application, they'll encounter these supplemental essays, but then see that the essay is optional. <laughs> so I know you and I both have encountered that common question. Um, well, if it's optional, should I really do it? And yes, uh, the answer is a resounding yes. If the school is giving you an opportunity to share more about your interests, whether it's why you want to go to that school or they have a different prompt about a community you're part of, take the time to respond to that supplemental essay and invest the same amount of time and energy into writing that essay, revising it just as you did with your um, caps as well. Um, because I know when I was reading applications um, years ago, it was very clear to me when a student certainly had spent time on their personal essay, but then had not necessarily, um, based on the content of their supplemental response, it, it seemed that they uh, hadn't treated the supplemental essay with the same amount of purpose and seriousness. So if it is provided as an option, definitely um, take advantage of that. Because again, it, it's an opportunity for you as the student to share your voice um, and make your case as to, especially if it's the question, um, why do you want to attend our school? It's your opportunity to really make a case as to why you need to be at that school. It's an opportunity for you as the student to demonstrate your interest in that school, your desire to attend that school. So yes, do the optional <laughs> essay. And, and do you have any insight, Robin, on why some schools make the, these supplements optional? What is the 
benefit there? Well, I think some schools choose to make the essay optional to gauge a student's level of interest. You know, I just referred to demonstrated interest, which is a term used in college admissions. Um, and it sounds exactly, you know, what it means, essentially. Um, as colleges try to predict the likelihood of students enrolling at their school, if those students have been offered admission, they want to gauge demonstrated interest. And students who take the extra time to complete supplemental essays, that's one way that a university can get a sense of, oh, this is a student who might be more likely to enroll versus the student who didn't choose to respond to this, um, the, the optional essay. So I think that's one of the bigger reasons why um, schools will do it. I, I do think though, in some cases, it's a way for schools to also just manage their reading load. Um, if it's a school that's, you know, receives high volume of applications. So then how many versions or rounds of revision do you think that a student should expect to go through before making an essay final and having it be ready to submit to a college? Sure. You know, I wish there were a specific number <laughs> that I could give every student and say, okay, by number five draft, you're all set. Uh, that might be the case for some students. It may not be until draft number 10, um, where the, the essay is really the final version. Um, everyone's writing process is different. And I, I believe revision is just always an ongoing thing. Um, you know, former English teacher, so I'm a big believer in the revision process. Um, even with my own writing, you know, I look back at things I wrote a year ago and find little tweaks that I, I want to make to those pieces of writing. So very few students can knock out an effective college essay in one go, though I know there's always those exceptions <laughs> that, that can do it the night before which I do not advocate for at all. <laughs> um, I really do believe just because of the nature of the personal essay, you need that time to engage in that reflective process that I was talking about earlier. Um, so I think in terms of discussing, you know, how do you know when your essay is ready? Um, think about the revision process in phases. So, you know, when you first start going through the revision process, I think the first thing that you really need to pay attention to as the writer um, is, is whether or not the essay is fulfill, fulfilling its main purpose. Um, oftentimes where the essay ends is not necessarily where the writer uh, intended it to go at the beginning. And that's okay, um, because often where you land at the end of the essay is really the true heart of the topic you wanted to get to. And I remind students of that all the time. Um, writing is, you know, such a reflective process. So in the act of writing itself, the ideas begin to take on a life of their own and lead the reader to wherever uh, they need to be. I think it's really important for the student, the author, essentially, to question, you know, is the content of the essay effective? Um, is the story being told um, and the details being shared are those the most effective examples that I can be using to illustrate my main point? Um, especially in earlier drafts, I often find that students um, are a little more challenged in terms of tapping into that descriptive writing. Um, everyone knows the phrase show, don't tell. And I think that that's a really important piece of advice um, for the college essay as well. And I know students probably hear it in their English classes and <laughs> they can't escape it even with the college essay. And so that can often be 
an important component of those early revision um, stages with with the essay as well is are there moments where you can offer a little more description um, and tell the reader well you know how that smelled or what the sound was um, and whatnot um, another part that students should look at is the very beginning of the essay um, often called the hook right does the essay have a hook that makes the reader want to continue reading more um, and if there isn't a hook at the beginning, is there maybe a hook that appears elsewhere in the essay that could be moved to the beginning of the essay? Um, so those are all content components that need to be part of the revision process. And then also looking at the structure of the essay itself. Um, does the structure of the essay make sense? Is the story being told in a way that makes sense to the reader? Um, you know, it's not uncommon for the first paragraph to often be unnecessary. I always tell my students um, when they're when they have that the you know the initial draft of their essay to temporarily cut out the first paragraph or the first couple of sentences and then ask themselves, does the essay still read effectively without this? And more often than not, the answer is yes. And sometimes it's actually a matter of maybe moving the content from, the beginning to another part of the essay or just eliminating it entirely. So another way of thinking about it is just from the, the perspective of, can I behead my essay, chop off its head, um, just get right into the action um, or, or whatever the hook might be to get the momentum going in the reading process. A um, Couple other things to, to mention here, just is there clarity throughout the essay? Is there any information that might confuse the reader? Since students are writing about personal experiences, they've gone through the experience obviously. So in their minds, it makes sense. But as the reader who does not know the student, very likely has not met the student, or even if they have, does not know this personal story, there might be, from A to C and the B might be missing. So look for those you know, moments of um, additional clarity that can be provided. And then another piece to this whole writing process is the editing process. Editing though is different from revising because editing is the nitty gritty technical elements like grammar, punctuation, those types of things, the fine tuning, so to speak. And that to me is really kind of one of the final pieces of the revision process because all of the other elements of the revision process really focus on the content, the storytelling, the structure, et cetera, the clarity. But then of course, yes, you need to proofread and make sure that you run your spell check or your Grammarly or whatever the case might be um, as another component of the writing process. And I loved what you said, Robin, earlier that students shouldn't feel pressure to uh, kind of give away the meat of or the heart of their essay at the very beginning or to necessarily have this like kind of clear cut thesis statement depending on the kind of essay that they're writing because often you know, what it is that the student is saying kind of comes out throughout the course of the essay. And I like to, uh, you know, go back to the root of the word, you know, the word essay is actually from the French word essay, which means to try. Um, so literally, it is a trial, um, kind of an experiment in uh, taking a question, which is the prompt, and answering it, and sometimes not necessarily coming out with a concrete answer, but coming out with trials. And, you know, when I talk about conclusions with my students, um, I, I often tell them that there is no, 
not necessarily one way to write a conclusion. A conclusion might lead you to a definitive answer to that essay, right, to that trial, uh, but it might be another question. So yeah, I, I like to kind of give that little language lesson and and remind students that this should be kind of an experiment in language and, and in, um, in your writing. I love that. And I'm definitely going to borrow that. That's, I, that's, that's wonderful. Um, so thank you for sharing that. I think that's really good advice. Of course. Well, thank you, Robin, for, for all of your really, really excellent advice as well. All right. So now once a student is, you know, learning about the concept, um, the structure, really kind of starting to brainstorm and even knock out some drafts, um, and they've done the editing and the fine tuning, how do they know when the essay is complete? Yeah, I know that's like the big perennial question is when is it really done? Um, I, I think a student knows their CAPS is, is done when they feel that they have said all that they need to say and that the, the story they've chosen to tell really is the best representation of who they are as a person um, and what they value. Um, I, I think as the writer, it can be difficult to know though, if, if the essay has reached that, that completion point. And so this is where I think it can be helpful to have a couple of trusted, um, additional readers, um, take a look at it. Maybe that's, um, a, a family member, maybe it's a trusted teacher, school-based counselor. Um, and I think a question to ask the other reader is, you know, does this sound like me? Um, what did you learn about me? I think it's, you know, as I said before, it's so important that the student's voice comes through in the essay. Um, and so hopefully they haven't looked at too many sample essays that are floating out there on the internet and been too influenced by the tone and style of those essays, which might make the essay come across as, you know, not um, authentic to how they really are and how they talk. It's perfectly fine for the essay to be conversational in nature. Um, you know, again, it's about connecting with, with the admissions officer. Um, if a student tries to write in a style that doesn't come naturally to them, then it might also then sound very awkward to the admissions officer. And I always tell students too, when especially in the initial brainstorming stages for their essay topic, that they should consider like, what are two or three key things that I want to make sure the reader knows about me, but after they've read this essay. Um, and so that can be another exercise that the student can do with um, the outside reader who's looking at it. Don't tell, you know, I tell students, don't tell that person what you want the takeaways to be, but ask them, what were your three takeaways about me after reading this essay? And based on their response, then you get a sense of, did it align with what you hoped the reader would get out of it? And if they did, great, then your essay, I would say, is probably complete. It's done its job. But if there's some differences there, then that's a great you know, opportunity to go back and maybe revise um, and look a little more deeply um, into that essay and whether you might want to highlight some other traits or qualities um, or refine the content so that it better highlights the traits and qualities you were hoping for. Um, you know, another thing to talk about here too, when it comes to whether or not an, an essay is complete, uh, the supplemental essays, how do you know when those are done? <laughs> um, I think it's really, really important, especially with the supplemental essays that students stick to what the prompt is asking. 
because more often than not, the supplemental essay prompts are shorter in nature. And so you really have to maximize the word space available to you. I always recommend that students, even before they begin responding to the supplemental essays, that they highlight or underline the keywords in, in the prompt and make sure those are, you know, copied, pasted at the, the top of the document that they're working on. And given again, the length of the essays, you know, some might be 500 words, some might be 250, some might only be a mere 25 words um, for a supplemental response. So you really, really have to hone in and make sure you are conveying um, a response that aligns with the prompt and what the college is wanting you to address in that essay. Uh, again, I think this is another chance though for students um, to have another set of eyes look at the um, response. If you're sharing, well, whether it's a supplemental essay or your caps, make sure you put the prompt at the top of the page for the essay. So the reader knows what you're responding to, because the reader might point out to you, you know, I don't think you fully addressed this part of the prompt. And that is really helpful because then you know what you can work on um, going through the, the next revision. One last thing I just want to say about having other readers look at your essay. Well, I do think it, it is helpful. Um, I do always caution students to um, be careful about having too many people offer uh, their, their insight. I know in some schools, students are required to share their essay um, with their school-based counselor or maybe even an English teacher, which certainly is absolutely fine. Um, but it's not uncommon for students, regardless of who else might look at the essay, it's not uncommon for students to get um, feedback that might be somewhat conflicting in nature. So the more people you have looking at your essay, the more likely you are to have differing bits of feedback, which can become difficult to kind of sift through as a student. You know, there's that old saying, too many cooks in the kitchen spoils the broth. That's exactly what can start to happen with the essay. So I, I do recommend students keep it to a very tight knit, small group um, of trusted individuals when it comes to making revisions to the essay um, and, make sure that they're not losing sight of, again, their actual voice um, in the essay. That's great advice. I used to always uh, joke uh, when I worked at Boston University that if a student spent a good amount of their caps perhaps writing about the influence of someone else on their life, maybe their grandmother or their relationship to someone uh, that had a big impact on them, uh, that the biggest question they had to ask themselves in the editing process was, did the admissions officer get to know me or just grandma? Uh, because if it's just grandma, then that essay didn't get to the heart of the matter, which is how did you learn and grow from that particular relationship? Um, so it's okay maybe when, you know, and that's definitely a, a, a whole essay uh, category is, is, you know, focusing on a particular person's influence on you, uh, but always kind of asking yourself, what is the takeaway here, right? Um, knowing that the person reading your essay is someone who doesn't actually know you. Um, all right, so just a couple final questions here. Uh, so we've already talked about how some of these questions um, in the different kinds of application supplements from different colleges can be quite similar. Uh, so can a student double dip, so to speak, across applications and supplements? The short answer to that is yes. And I completely encourage it with students because 
there's often so much writing that that they have to do um, in this whole process, especially depending on how many schools um, the student might be applying to. Um, you know, I think that in terms of the double dipping, you'll most often see it occur with supplemental essays. The 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 caps that essay goes to all of the schools that use the common app that the student's applying to. And even if a school does not use the common application, but still requires some type of personal essay, the student can certainly use their common app essay for that other school's application. Um, so in terms of, um, you know, double dipping, so to speak, or repurposing um, an essay, um, yes, that happens quite frequently with the uh, supplemental essays. Um, I think that Again, the key thing, though, in doing that is to make sure, even in repurposing the essay, that you're still answering that school-specific prompt. Because the schools, while the general topic might be the same, they might be asking for slightly uh, different things. Now, when it comes to the classic why essay, why do you want to attend our school, uh, once a student has written one or two of those, they generally have a pretty solid template that they can then use for other schools. But in that case, they have to be really careful that they're including the right details that are associated with that particular school. And they need to make sure that they change the name of the school in the essay um, as well. With other supplemental essay prompts. Um, again, there's that nuance in terms of the content of the essay um, and whatnot. I've got a couple examples of this. So um, one of Princeton's prompts last year read as follows, share a time when you had a conversation with a person or a group of people about a difficult topic. What insight did you gain and how would you incorporate that knowledge into your thinking in the future? Okay. Brown, one of their supplemental essay prompts from last year, tell us about a time you were challenged by a perspective that differed from your own. How did you respond? So very similar. Um, students can certainly draw upon a single experience that they had, a challenging conversation uh, that they had. But notice how Princeton's is asking, you know, what did you gain from that experience um, and how has that influenced your thinking, you know, moving forward? Whereas Brown's prompt is more, how did you respond? Now that's not to say you can't use elements from maybe your Princeton response in the Brown response, but just notice how they're worded slightly differently, but it's essentially the same topic. So for, for that particular example, students could definitely utilize um, the same topic there um, for sure. So when when there's the opportunity to, to double dip, um, I always encourage students um, to, to, yes, to do that. But again, be very careful um, with the content you're using and make sure that you're fully responding um, to, to the prompt itself. Absolutely. And then of course, I mean, this goes without saying, but you know, if it's uh, one of the very, very specific school supplements, like why are you interested in blank university? then of course, of course, uh, those cannot really be repurposed because they're so specific to the school. Uh, but if, um, you know, in, in these examples that Robin just gave, if you ever actually name a school, that's a place where you want to be extra, extra, extra careful um, and make sure that you're taking out any reference from a, 
about another school in um, the new school's application. I mean, I would 100% agree in terms of the the, uh, the why essay. Yes, the details associated with every school you write about need to be clearly associated with that school. If you're naming a lab at the school, if you're mentioning the school mascot, um, make sure all of those details are are correct um, for for the specific school. Um, yes, that that's all I would add. Awesome. Okay. And then just wrapping up, you know, I want to make sure that students who listen to this come away with kind of some actionable steps of how to maybe start approaching uh, topics, especially, uh, you know, the CAPS, which is just so um, such a large blank page because there really is, uh, you really can write about pretty much anything because those essay prompts are so broad. Uh, So so Robin, what advice would you give about where a student could get started if they're facing that blank page and perhaps are not sure where to get started? Yeah, I mean, quite literally facing that blank page, that blank screen, right? Um, And I think Sometimes I feel that looking at the prompts can actually feel overwhelming. Um, Again, because they are so general in nature, students have access to so many sample essays online, which I think can start to influence their own thinking because students then start to compare their own experiences to those that are written about in these sample essays. And I I know I often encounter students um, who will say things along the lines of, well, nothing really interesting has happened to me, or I don't have any interesting details, you know, about my life, or I haven't experienced any challenges in my life, those types of things. And so, you know, helping students kind of figure out what to write about, I sort of peel it back. And I, and I first start by saying, you know, what is it that you want a reader to know about you? Right? Because Students have to remember that when an admissions officer is looking at their application, they get the academic snapshot. That's part of the rubric that we've talked about in past podcasts. Um, There's the transcript, potentially standardized test scores or other um, standardized test scores. And that transcript has potentially grades on it or a narrative commentary. Um, It shows class selection, class rigor. The counselor will make an inference about who that student is as a scholar based on that information. Then there's the extracurricular activities as well as recommendation letters. The admissions counselor will make another inference about the student based on those things. So I tell the student, okay, pretend you're the admissions counselor. Look at those things about yourself. What are the things that you think that individual will observe? And then once the student kind of reflects on that and responds to that, and I'll say, okay, what's missing? What, what aren't they learning about you? And it could be something connected to the student's background. And background such a big general word, right? It could be something about their upbringing. It might be about somewhere they've, they've lived that was particularly influential. Maybe it's something about cultural heritage. I mean, there's such a wide range of topics that could work for that. Um, and so I think it's important that students kind of back up from just isolating um, themselves by the prompts and really just going to question, you know, what, what is it I want the admissions counselor to know about me um, that isn't coming through in the academic component of my ac- application or in the extracurricular personal component of my ac- application. Sometimes it might be an elaboration on an aspect that is present in the application. You know, maybe the student is very involved in robotics um, at, at their high school, just as an example. 
but maybe that student really had to, you know, maybe he was, he or she, or they were resistant to even joining robotics initially. Maybe it was a parent or someone who really were kind of pushing that student to join and they did so reluctantly and they ended up falling in love with it. And now they're, you know, very involved in it, maybe even president. It could be anything like that too. So yes, the admissions counselor would see they're involved in robotics, but they wouldn't know the backstory. So sometimes um, the essay is giving a little bit more of a backstory um, about the student, insight into their personality, um, things that they value, um, you know, those types of things. I also think it's important for students to know that admissions counselors don't expect essays to be sob stories, so to speak. I think sometimes students feel like they have to dig really deep or try to find something incredibly painful and difficult that they experienced. And on the flip side of that, as I was saying before, then there are students who will often say, well, I haven't had anything horrible happen. Um, and I'll say, well, that's okay. <laughs> um, no one's expecting you to write about that. So I think students need to really remember that this isn't about writing what you think the admissions officer wants to read. What do you want them to know? What do you want to write about? And so that's why I'm such a big proponent of, of the brainstorming process um, to kind of get those um, ideas generating because your, you know, weekly family meal at the dinner table um, might be so chaotic, but it might be a really great story to tell in your essay that demonstrates um, your how much you value your family and how much you value how your family has encouraged you to speak up. Maybe you have beliefs different from your family, whatever the case might be. That in and of itself could be a great essay. Um, it's often those mundane everyday experiences that students live that are the ones that are so rich in content. So students do not have to have, you know, come up with a cure for a disease or experienced an incredibly painful, um, you know, something incredibly painful in their lives and have that be the topic. That's not to say don't write about something difficult. If you as the student want to share something like that, I think that's fine. I do think it is often a good idea though, regardless of what your topic might be, run it by someone, run it by your school-based counselor, a trusted teacher, you know, as far as, you know, this is what I'm thinking about writing. This is what I'm thinking of writing about for my college essay. Do you think this is a topic that that would work um, at least to get that, you know, sort of initial feedback, but just know that I, I think it's safe to say for most admissions officers, the essay is likely one of their favorite parts of the application, because it's really where you get to know a student um, and even potentially connect with that student, get excited for that student um, in, in that admissions process. It breathes life into um, that entire application. Uh, Robin, I feel like you really hit the nail on the head there and you went back to, to something I'd alluded to at the very beginning of our conversation regarding, um, you know, more difficult topics and encouraging students not to feel pressured to write about those, even if they have experienced them, but also, of course, students who haven't experienced trauma, you know, being grateful for that and, and writing about, you know, something else that is um, going to be just as uh, fruitful and and uh, informative of, of their experience and their personality and what they're interested in, which again is ultimately the goal, right, of, of helping admissions officers and colleges get to know them. 
Um, wow. Well, I think this has been an incredibly informative conversation, Robin. You are such an expert and such a good speaker. Thank you so much for being here with us. Thanks so much for having me. I truly love this part of the application, so I'm always happy to talk about it. Thank you so much. So our next episode of the Just Admit It podcast will actually be the final episode to semester six. We'll be doing one final deep dive into a featured top college with an Ivy Wise counselor. Next stop, NYU, New York University. So until then, if you have any questions you'd like us to address, please email us at podcast at ivywise.com. And please don't forget to catch up on all of our previous episodes and check out the IvyWise knowledge base for more college prep resources. You can also follow us on Facebook, TikTok, and Instagram for more college admissions tips at follow IvyWise. From IvyWise, I'm Tasha, and this has been Just Admit It. Thanks for listening.